On a recent visit to Lynchburg, Virginia, we experienced an art and architectural revival of the city's historic downtown. Our first stop was the Carriage House Inn Bed and Breakfast, located in the historic Daniels Hill neighborhood. The Craddock Terry Hotel showcases Lynchburg's shoe and tobacco heritage. There's a lot of history here, both turn-of-the-century buildings. One of the most dynamic reconstruction projects in Lynchburg is the historic Virginian Hotel. We'll explore the many faces of the Virginian Hotel, including its restoration as a member of the Hilton Curio Collection. The Virginian Hotel was built in 1913. Uh, it's, it served as Lynchburg's sort of premier hotel for a number of decades. The reconstruction of the historic Academy Center of Arts will be a centerpiece for the arts in central Virginia. We'll hear about the diverse artistic offerings and how the new Academy will reconcile its segregationist history. Join us as we explore Lynchburg's history on an art and architectural tour on World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Just ahead, we'll visit the historic Craddock Terry Hotel, a luxury riverfront boutique property in the heart of downtown Lynchburg. We'll explore why shoes are central to the Craddock Terry's legacy. Then we'll go inside the construction zone of the historic Virginian Hotel and see what is planned for this legacy property that will become part of the Hilton's Curio Collection. We'll also tour the historic Academy Center of Arts, which promises to be a centerpiece for performances in Central Virginia. Plus, we'll take a brief tour of the Point of Honor Historic Home and Museum, built by Dr. George Cabell, and we'll experience the Riverview art space that is part of Lynchburg's art revitalization. First, located in the center of Virginia, Lynchburg is within a day's drive of most major East Coast cities, and it's a perfect place to begin an exploration of central Virginia. But historic Lynchburg, the city on the hill, is undergoing an incredible revival. From new outdoor spaces, visual and performing arts, to culinary arts and architectural restoration, Lynchburg offers iconic attractions within its vibrant borders. Lynchburg is divided into several historic districts. We began our tour of Lynchburg in the Carriage House Inn Bed and Breakfast, a beautifully restored 1878 Italianate mansion that's located in the historic Daniels Hill District. The owners of the Carriage House Inn, Kathy and Michael Bettsworth, talked to us about the area and their decision to leave their life behind in the Metro Washington, D.C. area to take up a four-year-long labor of love, the restoration of their grand property. We're in the Daniels Hill Historic District. Daniels Hill was um, incorporated into the city in 1870. Prior to that, it was Campbell County. And the interesting thing about this neighborhood, it was the first neighborhood that was built as a neighborhood similar to neighborhoods up where you are, like Reston or Columbia. It was a planned community in that 
there were all the classes of people living here. There were factories here. There were schools here. There were churches here. So it was a place where people would uh, be able to relocate and live and work in the same neighborhood. Developed as a residential area during the 1840s, Daniels Hill was an elevated 1,000-acre tract of land overlooking the James River and Blackwater Creek. Originally owned by Dr. George Cabell, who built the federal-style mansion Point of Honor, much of the land passed from Cabell's family to the district's namesake, Judge William Daniel, Jr. Daniels Hill was once considered the epitome of Victorian elegance. A wide variety of architectural styles can be found in Daniels Hill, including federal, Italianate, Queen Anne, and Georgian revival homes. Talk a little bit about the house we're in. Well, we sold real estate up in Northern Virginia, and every time I went into an old house, I just sort of fell in love with the charm of the property. And while this house may not have a lot of modern amenities, it has charm that you can't build into a new house. So... Years ago, I decided I wanted to buy and restore an old house. And we looked for years and years and years. And one day at the office, I was just sitting at the computer looking at old houses in Virginia. This one popped up, but it looked interesting. I brought the printout home to Kathy, and she gave me a nod of approval. So we made arrangements to come down here and look at it. And we literally walked in the house, and Kathy goes, this is it, we're buying it. (laughs) So um, we bought it as a house to live in, um, not doing a bed and breakfast. And about four years into the restoration process, we had the epiphany that, hey, this is 5,500 square feet just in the mansion, excluding the carriage house, which is where you're staying. And it's just the two of us. And we thought, well, you know, we don't need this much space. What are we going to do with it? So we decided that uh, we need to figure out a way to share this with people because it's part of Lynchburg's history. And we just sort of figured there might be other people out there that want to experience living in a house or, or staying in a house that was restored back to the way it looked back in the 1870s. Kathy, tell us about the history of this house and the state it was in when you purchased it. Okay, so the house was completed in 1878 by a gentleman named Richard Thomas Watts. It took them two years to build this, but he moved in in 1878. He married a gal who actually grew up in a house on the corner across the street where the park is today, Emma. And they raised their family here. They had 11 children, five of whom made it to adulthood. And when Emma died, the house was given to the only surviving daughter, Mary, and she ultimately married and raised her family here. So the Watts family owned this property for almost 60 years. So condition of it when we bought, it was a boarding house. The people who had bought it lived in Miami, thought they were being transferred up here. Transfer fell through. So while it was on the market for sale, they put people in here just to have people in here. So that was kind of good, kind of not so good. But, you know, we worked around that. So we um, were here every week for just short of five years, working on the restoration three or four days at a time primarily stripping paint off of all of the woodwork, wallpaper off of all of the walls and ceilings, replastering, 
redoing bathrooms, rewiring, had the original knob and tube wiring, and on and on and on and on. So it was livable, but it didn't remotely look like it looks today. Each room in the carriage house inn is named after a member of the Watts family and is furnished with antiques or reproductions that reflect the ownership in the late 1800s and early 1900s. There have been other B&Bs here in Lynchburg and uh, you guys have maintained through it all and now you're right at the cusp of a, of a great transformation in the downtown area which, which you're close to. How does it feel to be somewhat of a first mover here in Lynchburg and now to see all of this exciting development, the growth of the culinary scene, the art scene here as well to be you know a part of that here? Well, being in the... Uh D.C. area for so many years, we saw a lot of neighborhoods undergo transitions. And when we were looking at houses, we looked at the possibility, is the neighborhood going to stay the same or is it going to improve? This was um, not a very good neighborhood back in the 60s and 70s. And we saw a lot of things going on in and around the downtown area. And we felt this was a city that was going to be transformed. So we decided we would jump in at the early stages because if you wait till everything's nice, you may not be able to afford the area. Mm. So it's been a it's been a good move. And compared to when we bought this in 03 and then moved in in 07, when we bought, there was one restaurant downtown, virtually no shops, certainly no one living there. Today, I don't have a clue how many restaurants we have. In the 20s, I'm sure, there are 800 people who live downtown, and as you saw, there are shops. So it used to be you could drive up and down Main Street and you'd be lucky if you'd pass a person. Now you drive up and down Main Street in the evening or in the afternoon and the sidewalks are full. Very exciting. listening to World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. We're learning about the history of the 1878 Carriage House Inn Bed and Breakfast with the proprietors, Kathy and Michael Bedsworth, and how they maintain the historic integrity during the restoration of this grand property. a little bit about just the state of the house uh, when you first took it over, but the carriage house where we're staying didn't look habitable. <laughs> and, and Mike, I know that you spent a lot of time. Uh, actually, the carriage house is your baby. And I, I want to ask, how do you go from seeing really a shell of a building to creating a vision? Unfortunately, um Many people, when they see a property, they see just what's in front of them. I tend to look beyond what's in front of me and try to visualize what it could be. Uh, The room you're in, in the corner where the chairs are, there was a 10-foot-long horse trough that was put there to catch the water when it rained because the roof had that much um, leakage and holes in the roof. 
the floor was rotted. Uh, the entryway, you had to jump into a pit and climb up a ladder to get to the upstairs. I think you saw that in the pictures. Um, but it was a neat property. It was a neat building, and I just fell in love with it and said, I can do something with this. It was a bigger project than I anticipated, but it ended up, I think, turning out pretty nicely. And he sketched it out on little scraps of paper or little pieces of plywood, and then he would measure and think things through, and he did it all himself. Wow. Now, Kathy, what about the um, historical integrity of the, the building? I mean, did you know what colors the walls were when the building was made, and, and how have you maintained a lot of the historical integrity? Okay, well, here in the mansion, no, we don't really know what any of the original colors were. But I researched colors of the late 1800s. So we do not have any wallpaper in this house because we stripped so much wallpaper in this house, and I will never have wallpaper in this house. But the room colors are age-appropriate. So bedrooms were jewel tones. The colors upstairs here in the mansion are pretty bright. Um, red for a dining room was definitely the color of a dining room in the 1870s. Parlors were jewel tones, but a, but a little bit subdued compared to the bedroom colors. So guests he coming here are really walking in the footsteps of history. Are there any uh, significant or interesting historical stories associated with this house? Lynchburg was a major transportation hub for the railroads. Um, we had three railroad lines coming in. Um, we had the canal system. We had the river system. So Lynchburg was a very busy and bustling and thriving city. During World War II, troops were taken to the fronts on trains to the ports. So hundreds of thousands of uh, soldiers and sailors passed through Lynchburg uh, to get to the East Coast to, um, to get on board the troop ships. During World War II, this property was owned by a, name, a lady by the name of Lena Four, and she um, housed over a thousand soldiers and sailors either on their way to the war or on their way home from the war. So this was literally one of Lynchburg's first bed and breakfast during the World War II era. era. And... Um, Lynchburg also during that period, and I know we've got somebody from the visitor center here, so she just needs to ignore this comment, but we were very well known for our ladies and our liquor. (laughs) (laughs) And I suspect that's why Lynchburg was a very popular stop and over place. Now, I want to ask about the features in your bed and breakfast uh, in the Carriage House Inn and what guests would experience walking through these doors. Well, we think they will experience the house much as it was with the addition of air conditioning, Wi-Fi, parking, things that, of course, they didn't need. But for the most part, the house is as we envisioned it when the Watts lived here. So we have the coal-burning fireplaces. No, they don't operate, and you can't buy coal, but they're here. We do heat with the radiators that the Watts used. We've got original light fixtures. We've got all of the original tubs, two of the original sinks. So we're very lucky that 
a lot of the architectural details were left here, even though it was owned by several families between the 70s and when we purchased it in 03. Guests who come kind of find us by accident. Lynchburg's not on an interstate. A lot of people don't really know anything about Lynchburg. We can keep guests busy for seven to ten days doing historical things, outdoor activities, hiking or biking or using the river, wineries, breweries, arts. It's, it's just phenomenal. People are amazed how much there is to do once they get here. And a lot of them come back, which of course is our goal. As guest of the Carriage House Inn Bed and Breakfast, we also enjoyed a sheet that offered the day's history, various trivia, and a thought for the day, along with the next day's four-course breakfast menu. To learn more about the Carriage House Inn Bed and Breakfast, visit the show page at worldfootprints.com for a link. In this Destination Spotlight, we visit the Point of Honor in Lynchburg, Virginia. This fully restored and furnished home, built in 1815 by Dr. George Cabell, illuminated life in the early years of Lynchburg. The walls of this historic home, now City Museum, holds many stories and we discovered a few, including the work of Union spies who visited the property. We also learned that as one of Lynchburg's first physicians, Dr. Cabell, treated Patrick Henry during Henry's last days, and his boats hauled Thomas Jefferson's tobacco to Richmond. Lynchburg was chartered as a town in 1786, and at the time that this house was built in 1815, Lynchburg had just over 3,000 residents. The whole property extended from where the Blackwater Creek meets the James River down there, all the way two miles to where um, Randolph College sits on Rivermont today. Um, it was 850 acres originally. We sit on just about three acres now. All of that would have been tobacco fields. Um, that's how the Cabells made their primary income. Also, Dr. Cabell was a physician, so he made house calls in the area. Um, the house itself is built in the federal style, so you'll see a lot of balance and symmetry throughout. If you cut the house in half, imagine cutting the house in half, um, one half should roughly mirror the other, and then um, the floor plans for the first floor and the second floor should roughly be the same. And then where you see windows on the first floor, you should see windows on the second floor. And there are some discrepancies in that, and I'll mention that as we go along. 
Well, there's kind of an overarching reason, and then there's kind of a story behind it that maybe has some fact to it, I'm not sure. So, it really was a unique home to Lynchburg at the time. You really didn't have very large homes like this in Lynchburg during 1815. And so it was the point of honor for Lynchburg. You could see all of Lynchburg from the house. And more importantly, all of Lynchburg could see you. And so everybody could look up and you know see this kind of point of honor in Lynchburg. The second, maybe less factual reason is they're said to have been dueling on the property, which we know dueling was outlawed at the time, but um, maybe one man left with his point of honor um, from the duel. We all know the story of old Mother Hubbard who lived in a shoe. Lynchburg's Craddock Terry Hotel takes living in a shoe one step further. Once the world's fifth largest shoe manufacturer, Craddock Terry celebrates shoes daily in its shoe motif rooms. General Manager Todd Swindell tells us how Craddock Terry opens its laces and buckles to thousands of guests every year. It has a, a large history here in Lynchburg. At the peak of, uh, well, let me back up for, for hotel-wise, you know, we were just celebrating our 10th anniversary as a hotel. Um, former use was, of course, a shoe factory. And so at the peak of production, we were actually the fifth largest shoe company in the world. And that, uh, that meant, you know, a great deal of industry for Lynchburg. So, you know, a lot of times we, we laugh and say shoes and tobacco, that was, that was the huge growing factors for for Lynchburg but our property here our main building with with the hotel is the shoe the Southland annex building for the the shoe company and then our secondary building that is also part of the property was the uh, William King tobacco uh, warehouse or uh, William King building sorry it was used by Imperial tobacco for for tobacco storage there's a lot of history here both turn of the century buildings that uh, we were able to, luckily through the vision of how Craddock was was able to save. Now, one of the things that I've noticed here is that you've got artifacts of 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 the hotel's past use or past life uh, with shoes, and there's a lot of art here. And I understand that Hal is an architect by training, so. There's really an attention to uh, to art here that really makes this place uh, different uh, in in so many ways. Yes, there was a lot of great um, you know love and care and and really personal attention that went into the project you know through through ties here locally, family wise that uh, that really makes you can feel the difference when you walk in. Um, you know, as you notice going through, and we had talked about a lot of the artwork is original, tying back to the roots being used as um, as the shoe factory. So a lot of the artwork is is drawn directly off of that. Some of it reproduction, some of it actually custom, and you know that we we uh, commissioned. Because of its shoe manufacturing legacy, each room is identified by different shoe art cutouts. Now, as far as the cutouts that you see on each individual uh, door. That was just something done to, you know, to have a uniqueness for every room. So we actually have a map of shoes, so to speak. A lot of guests will actually 
call back and say, I want the shoe with the con- or the room with the converse on it, or I want the room with with this shoe on it. A local artist named, named Michael Tweery actually did all of those individual hand-painted shoe cutouts for us. So that's not a direct tie there, just something fun, whimsical to tie in the history of the property and, you know, to bring it into more current day. Craddock Terry, um, you know, as I said, was was at the peak of its production, fifth largest in the world for, for shoe production. And there were buildings for Craddock Terry Shoe Corporation across central, you know, central Virginia. Um, our particular building here that is the main property for the hotel was actually the annex building to the original factory which would be right beside us currently but obviously that building has gone here in this building though 25 uh, about 2500 pairs of shoes were made by hand daily to give you an idea of the the production capacity for the company it was about a hundred thousand pairs of shoes a day that the the company was putting out when it was peak peak production so that you know that kind of gives you an idea of of where that those numbers come from and and how that was you know so long ago as for what the future holds for Craddock Terry well hopefully we will continue just as we have growing and filling um, we, we pride ourselves greatly on on making memories and that's really what we like to do here we like people to come and enjoy themselves and and feel like they're our extended network of family and we have many many people that come back year after year uh future looking forward we are planning an expansion for the property so what we found is that we've got a lot more people that want to be here than we have room for so we want to help fill that void so we're expanding uh, hopefully we'll start that expansion next year come up to a room count close to 100 We'll add a rooftop bar, beer garden, water feature, uh, really kind of tie that building into the existing you know, properties. So we, we don't want to have anything um, detract from the history and the nature of the buildings here. So aesthetically, it's going to all blend together. And we certainly don't want anybody saying, you know, I, I want to stay in the old building or the new building. So we want it. It's going to have its own special flair. So it's going to be more of a uh, you know, choice of, oh, I, I love the way that this building feels, or you know, I really love the design here. So it's, it's really planned to, to mesh well together. This property has been part of a larger plan to revitalize downtown Lynchburg and has been instrumental in uh, drawing visitors uh, to, to the city. How has this property uh, changed how people look at Lynchburg based on uh, what what you've learned from your guest over the past decade. Well, I, I hope that we've changed the um, you know the, the look and feel, uh, the perception by others when it comes to a downtown, not just here in Lynchburg, but you know across the this, the the uh, U.S. Um, as many know, downtowns did take a hit people moved out to the suburbs now that trend is reversing and we have a lot of revitalization going on here at at the craddock terry you know we were kind of at the forefront and the beginning of an entire 20-year master plan that the downtown lynchburg um that downtown lynchburg took on so we're we're a little past halfway point in that it's you know it's been a great curve we were kind of like i said on the forefront of that and we have a great mix of business and leisure travelers and as as business grew and other businesses 
continuing, you know, to come into downtown, you know, it just, it just flourished. The Craddock Terry is a nice blend of urban architecture and fashionable design. It is easy to recognize by the large red shoe that is attached to the side of the hotel and the very large red shoe that sits by the front door. To learn more about this historic property, visit craddockterryhotel.com or find the link on this show page at worldfootprints.com. Listening to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Coming up next, we'll tour the construction site of Lynchburg's historic Virginian Hotel and we'll see how Lynchburg is keeping the arts alive with the restoration of the Academy Center of Arts. Plus, we'll stop by the Riverview Art Space, a facility that supports seasoned and emerging artists. World Footprints is committed to bridging the cultural gaps and connecting the world through powerful and honest storytelling. If you want to travel deeper, visit our website, worldfootprints.com, and sign up for our newsletter to receive a free gift. Lynchburg is a city that remembers its past, but keeps an eye on its future. Another important move towards the city's future is the rehabilitation of the historic Virginian Hotel that, once completed, will be part of the Hilton's Curio Collection. Developer Danny George tells us why this project ties in with the rehabilitation of the Academy Center of Arts and how it will transform downtown. The Virginia Hotel was built in 1913. Uh, it's it served as Lynchburg's sort of premier hotel for a number of decades, and then as the economies changed, it turned into a Section 8 apartment building. Um, where we bought the building, are turning it back around into the premier hotel that it used to be. It'll be a 115-room Hilton Curio uh, with two full-service restaurants and a coffee shop uh, and a, a formal ballroom, um, rooftop bar, and. Uh, it's projected to open in the spring of 18. The idea behind the, the rooftop bar was to sort of help tie in the, the downtown to the surrounding views of the skyline. Um, the name of the restaurant up there will be Skyline. Um, we sort of focused on, on using the colors from the surrounding views to incorporate back into the space and also made it so that it can be completely open air. 
Um, so we can open up, roll up glass garage doors, fold open the, the, the doors on the wall and make the inside feel like the outside. Um, there's, there's about 1500 feet of space inside and outside on the deck. Uh, we have a six foot fire pit up there and a bunch of fire tables just to sort of bring in the elements. Um, and the view, one direction, you can sort of see the skyline. The other direction, you're looking over um, all of downtown. We were curious about the culinary offerings that were planned for the hotel. The rooftop restaurant will be more of a small plates kind of kind of dining atmosphere. Um, it has a it has an open fire pizza oven up there. Um, the lower level restaurant is going to be a steakhouse. Um, it's going to be called William and Henry. Uh, sort of, you know, not not. Not the highest of high end, but but pretty far up there. Uh, we want to make it well, you know, welcoming and comfortable for everybody, but also you know somewhere where you feel like you're doing something special when you go there. Um, the coffee shop on the corner, where we're we're trying to establish to be the, the best coffee shop in town, um, which in my personal opinion is very much needed. Uh, and so I, I I'm not going to be satisfied until we hit that. Danny told us about some challenges he faced while trying to preserve the historic integrity of the Virginian Hotel while satisfying Hilton's requirements. It's challenging. There are, uh, I have a very thick set of standards from the Department of Historic Resources and Natural Park Service called the Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitation, and that's what we have to follow in order to, to get the tax credits that help to make these projects feasible. Um, basically, they're the ones that, that dictate that we... Um, maintain all the historic elements in certain ways. Um, it's a it's a very tedious process of, of information gathering and presenting and applying the appropriate treatments to to preserve you know things like the the decorative plaster in the ballrooms and things like that. Um, and then the equally thick and challenging set of standards from Hilton uh, doesn't always line up with that. But being in the curio collection with Hilton, they they respect what the, the hotel was and the historic value that it has. So they've been great um, in terms of allowing us to sort of flex some of their standards to adapt to the compliance of the historic standards. Um, that said, there are others that you know just involve life safety, like when the, the ornamental railings in the ballroom have a eight-inch round hole through them. Uh, the historic people say you can't touch that railing, and the Hilton people say babies can fall through it. And so you have to find a you know you have to find a compromise, and usually that ends up being something like a really expensive piece of glass. Um, and so it, it you know it, there there are ways around all of it. Uh, it's it's certainly challenging. While visiting historic properties, it's always interesting to hear about stories from the past. The son of the man who used to operate the barber shop in this building has has come back and you know told us stories of of his his father. It might have been his grandfather. I may be messing that up. Um, that was the only person that I know of that that was tied to someone who actually worked in the building. Um, we've had a number of people come by during construction who talk about remembering being here when they were a child, and it was the big thing to do to come downtown go to the Virginia Hotel, get lunch in the, the, they called it the cafeteria up there where people's parents worked, and then they would just let the kids run. I mean, the, the, like the number of people that have come and told us, yeah, well, my parents would come down, they'd be shopping, and we kids would just take off, and they'd just run around town, which is really interesting because you don't think of that now where people would just let their six-year-old child just take off. But when you go look at the historic pictures of downtown Lynchburg, you can see that. I mean, this place was just bustling. I mean, it was, it was actually really lively and, and sort of happening place. Um, so those stories are, are, are really interesting. It's unfortunate that this building was turned to Section 8 because I think a lot of the sort of architectural treasures that may have been uncovered 
um, were probably lost during the time when they converted it over to being a Section 8 apartment building. You know, there really wasn't the artifacts that you would, you would hope to find sort of in a, in a building of this age and sort of stature. Now, as we wrap up here, one of the things about this historic rehabilitation is that you're restoring elements that define the old hotel, like the old sign on the roof that will be here. And so that's going to come back. And with that, just a new livelihood here in Lynchburg is uh, going to exist because of the investments that have been made here. And so as uh, you look forward, what are you looking forward to with uh, the opening of the hotel and what it brings to Lynchburg? I think it's going to be exciting to watch what it does to sort of this part of town. Um, The city of Lynchburg has been very um, proactive and sort of spearheading the revitalization here with their bluff walk project that's been a been a remarkable success um we've done past projects alongside them there and we're working alongside them here with all of their streetscape improvement work um but this part of downtown has been sort of quiet you know the 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 storefronts aren't aren't open there's you know not a whole lot of commercial activity in this section of town and it largely is is probably the fault of this building being section eight for as long as it was Um, so i think by us opening up the the ground floor and having the coffee shop and the steakhouse and and putting 115 travelers you know or rooms worth of travelers back in this part of town gonna gonna spur um sort of the growth of this this section of town that obviously once was part of the core um and i I, you can already see it happening and it it, you know obviously it's just going to continue to grow so i i think it's i think it's you know, it's really exciting. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to. And you're going to have a tie-in with uh, the arts growth here in Lynchburg as well with a gallery in the hotel. Yeah, we have a small gallery in the hotel, and we've been, we, we have been communicating with the academy down the street, who also has a very extensive project going on right now that, you know, the timeline is sort of similar, um, and, and procuring art from them that ties to local artists to just sort of continue to emphasize that theme of, of Lynchburg's heritage and and culture and and art community. Um, Obviously, our gallery is not anything compared to what they're building over there, but we did want to tie in a part of that into this project. For more information about the Virginian Hotel, visit the show page at worldfootprints.com for a link. This destination spotlight, we explore Lynchburg's Riverview Art Space. I'm Megan Einhorn. I'm the exhibition manager at Riverview's Art Space. We are a art gallery located in downtown Lynchburg, Virginia. We have a main gallery on our first floor and studio spaces on our second floor. Our ground floor has a movie theater, um, some studio spaces, and also a co-op gallery. We've opened our doors in 2003. This coming year, 2018, we will have been open for 15 years. We'll have our 10th annual juried show, which is open to Virginia-based artists. We have programs that happen monthly, at least two monthly theater programs that bring films that you may know or you may not know 
to downtown Lynchburg. We've had concerts in National Poetry Month of April. We do national, our Beat Bird celebration, and that brings open mics with poetry around downtown. We've reached out to children and schools to contribute poetry as well. Now, Meg, we're in the historic district of downtown Lynchburg, and so what did this space used to be? We used to be the Crown Terry Shoe Company warehouse, uh, and we still had some of our carts and boxes that shoes would stay in. Um, they filtered out by now, but it was cleaning out. We've had pictures of it being gutted. It's still very much built like a warehouse. <laughs> the Riverview Art Space offers something for seasoned and emerging artists. We have our Lynchburg artists represented because we have studio spaces for local artists. We have the Co-op, which is a group of Lynchburg-based artists. But we do reach out with the, the juried show. It's open to any artist in Virginia. Our call for artists in our main gallery is open to anyone internationally, nationally. Um, we have studio spaces for local artists. Emerging artists, we actually have an emerging artist series. Um, and that has brought a lot of younger or people who may not have their footing in the community yet come and actually have a spot to show their work. We had an artist incubator space that um, actually upstairs we have her work from when she was down here. So it's a bit both seasoned and emerging artists. The restoration of Lynchburg's Academy Center of Arts, also known as the Jewel of Main Street, is leading the arts revolution in the downtown area. The Academy Complex anchored by the Academy of Fine Arts Music Theater, also includes a studio theater and the historic theater that showcases an array of performances, ranging from musical and theatrical performances to variety shows. Originally built in 1905, the Academy Center of Arts promises to be a regional centerpiece for the arts once restoration is complete. Dory Smiley, Director of Operations, share the Academy's treasured past and look towards its promising future. We are so excited to be here in Lynchburg to really be at the cusp of what appears to be an ongoing arts revival that this center, the Academy Center for the Arts, is going to be central in helping to put Lynchburg on the map in terms of regional theater, performing arts, and so forth. Give folks a sense of the enormous scope of this project, which is a $30 million plus project that's going to put an 800-seat performing arts center in one of your old theaters. Difficult to actually describe the scope of the project because it is um, multifaceted. The actual construction project is the renovation of our historic 1905 Academy of Music Theater. But in addition to that, um, because of audience expectation and OSHA standards, we're also adding a very, very large uh, lobby building, um, elevators, you know, accessible entrances. Got to have that bar in order to make some money. And so it's really quite a large project. But we are somewhat of a campus environment where we currently do our programming in what we call our warehouse theater, our Joy and Lynch Christian Warehouse Theater, where we can seat about 300 people. 
the historic theater will, will seat a little over 800. So, but it's a very intimate space where the sight lines are exceptionally good. The acoustics are going to be exceptionally good and were renowned at the time. So we're very excited to finally get this project up and up and running. It's a very big dollar project for a town the size of Lynchburg, but the community has really come together to finally make it happen. This project is here in downtown Lynchburg, as, as mentioned, and it's really part of this overall revival and rejuvenation that's taking place in downtown Lynchburg that I think to outsiders it would be surprising. Give people a sense of what's really going on here in Lynchburg, not just with this theater, but with the rejuvenation that's taking place downtown. It has taken a while for downtown to come back to life. Um, and I, I've been working downtown for 20 years where it was a little frightening at first. And there were very few cars up and down Main Street and very, very little pedestrian traffic. Retail was pretty pathetic, but little by little, um, it has increased both in vehicular traffic and pedestrian traffic, as well as certainly retail opportunities um, and restaurants and bars. And with the building of the Bluff Walk, which is uh, just beyond us here down the street and, and bars and restaurants opening there, young people are coming back downtown. That's um, That just m- makes it so much more vibrant and exciting. My son lives in northern Virginia, which obviously is one of the most happening places on the East Coast, and he comes home and is blown away. It's like, that's not fair. <laughs> it wasn't like this when I was here. So it, it's really wonderful. It's taken a lot of strong city leader- leadership, uh, economic development um, approaches the railroad um the the train traffic now in lynchburg has just really increased a lot of visitor traffic as well dory i was very impressed you took us through the construction zone of the new theater and standing on the stage you as i looked around i saw artifacts from before and you mentioned that the space we were in was dated back to 1905 what have you done to preserve history, and what will you be doing to share that history with the audiences to come? So the Academy Theater was actually an extremely important theater in its day. Um, it was very, very active with famous uh, artists, where it was sort of a stopping point. No actor or singer or dancer wants to have a dark night they need to keep, you know, keep entertaining and keep those dollars coming in. So between New York and Washington and Atlanta, Lynchburg was the main stop on the railroad for these big companies. So there's a lot of uh, performance history that's very, very important. Um, But in addition to that, there's a lot of local history as well. And one of the things that we've discovered in the process of our um, you know, just studying what happened and looking back old news articles and so forth is that we did have a segregated balcony. Um, Let me back up just a little bit. When it was built in 1905, there was not a balcony. The theater manager's apartment was in the upper level. It burned. Um, The academy, from what we hear, was one of the first public buildings to have electricity, and it was tapped onto the streetcar electric. 
I'm not sure they insulated their wires very well <laughs> because it did catch on fire. And, and that was in 1911. It was reopened within a year, less than a year, and that's when the second balcony was constructed. So there was a separate entrance, a separate box office, and we have discovered that there was a lady that worked in there for over 10 years named Lottie Payne Stratton. And rather than hide that history, we're celebrating that history by dedicating that box office in her memory and hoping to find more information. We have a little bit of history on her and a couple of fuzzy images, but we're hoping as we get that word out there, perhaps there's some folks that may have some more documentation about Lottie. So we're excited to be able to do that. As I mentioned to you all earlier, nobody is proud that there was such a thing as segregation, but it's history that we want to share. And you found a lot of artifacts, uh, including a wedding ring, I was told, and I'm curious, what did you do with that wedding ring? Have you tried to find its owner or at least family of the owner? And what are some of the other things that you've found as you've gone through uh, reconstructing the space? So our contractors in removing floorboards and stair treads and things like that have found numerous artifacts, um, lots and lots of ticket stubs, some of which, you know, we'll have the prices on them, $0.05, cents, $0.25, cents, $0.30, cents. and um, candy wrappers, gum wrappers, popcorn boxes. In fact, a gold wedding ring looks to be a lady's ring, very, very small, and it does have initials in it. And we've had a newspaper article that pointed that out a few weeks back. So far, nobody's called to say that was grandma's, but they may. But we are storing all these articles um, in a separate area in another building and uh, documenting everything that's there. Marbles is another thing that's been really fascinating. Um, because the rake or the slant of the floor in the theater was so severe for acoustical reasons, um, we think little boys used to roll their marbles down the aisles and race each other, and they all sort of found crevices near the front of the theater, and we found lots and lots of marbles. The historic theater has a legacy of distinguished performers. As I mentioned earlier, it was a very important theater of the day, and so it did attract um, some very popular names, Ethel Barrymore and U.B. Blake, as you mentioned. In the future, down the road, the programs that will be presented will be all across the board. Um, There will be concerts. There could be rock concerts. There could be symphonic concerts. We have local symphony. We have a local opera company. Both will be utilizing the space and be sort of partnering with the academy. Um, There will be off-Broadway productions. We have actually designed the fly tower or the stage house such that it can accommodate Miss Saigon's helicopter, for instance. So it's really going to be quite a flexible space with in numerous possibilities. Although the Academy Center of Arts is in the midst of construction, it continues to offer a variety of programs year-round, from pottery classes, children's theater, and comedy. A program schedule is available at academycenter.org. We will also have a link on this show page at worldfootprints.com.
Lynchburg was a wonderful surprise and or what we shared on the show didn't even scratch the surface of the things that the city has to offer and the attractions, including a lot of the attractions that have been registered on the um, National Registry um, that honor African Americans, like the Ann Spencer House and Garden, which was really peaceful when we walked by it. It was closed. Um, and, and the food, we didn't even talk about the food, which was fantastic and just how dynamic the downtown area is and just the the richness of history. And again, it was a monument terrace, uh, which was hundreds of steps down to Main Street and had historical markings uh, throughout and uh, things that identified, you know, actors in the Civil War. Um, And right above it, the Lynchburg Museum, which is so wonderful. Uh, And I'm sorry that we really didn't have much of a chance to really talk about those things and share more of the essence of Lynchburg. Lynchburg was indeed a surprising delight. It was nice to see the revitalized downtown where lots of young people were enjoying the restaurants, the riverfront uh, Lots of recreational activities there, lots of families enjoying the city. And what was nice about it is that it it, it had a lot of up-to-date contemporary uh, places in in terms of uh, the restaurants and historic hotels, arts, just a lot in a very small area. And the history, the historic districts uh, where... Uh, much of the story of this uh, interesting city in the uh, in kind of the foothills of central Virginia unfolds. And one of the stories that I liked most was about one of the historic districts, uh, the Pierce Street district, where uh, you spoke of, of the poet Anne Spencer's house. And nearby is the Walter Johnson tennis court. And right. Dr. Walter Johnson who I didn't know until taking this trip there, dear, he trained Althea Gibson and Arthur Ashe. And it's just amazing to think that two of the people that I admired as a kid growing up have a strong tie to this region uh, through uh, Dr. Johnson and his tennis coaching that took place right there in Lynchburg. So Lynchburg is really filled with surprises, and it's only going to get better with the new revitalize Virginia Hotel and uh, the Arts Center. Mm -hmm. The tributes that they're paying to African Americans, we heard about one tribute in the Academy Center of the Arts with the woman who was the box office person. In, In the tennis court that you just referenced, you know, the one thing that I am hoping the city will spend money to create a more attractive Appearance of the tennis court because it's almost hidden and uh, it's a bit run down. But I think they're, you know, they're trying. And the thing that I appreciate about Lynchburg is that, yes, it is the South. Um, it is in the middle of a southern state, and there is a dark history, but they're not denying it history. They're actually embracing it as a means of not repeating it, you know, and, um, and, I, and I appreciate that because it is our collective history. As we close, 
consider the words of Wallace Stevens. The most beautiful in the world is, of course, the world itself. Thank you for inviting us into your home to share the joys of our world and our collective history. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we look forward to sharing our next journey with you on World Footprints. World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints Media, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award-winning radio show can be heard around the globe on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes and more. Visit worldfootprints.com for a complete list. World Footprints Radio is a leading voice in socially responsible travel. At worldfootprints.com, you'll find an archive of past broadcasts, travel news, reviews, and information you can use to deepen your travel experience. Listen, learn, and live it at worldfootprints.com.